Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes. Australia's wine industry stands at the crossroads. $1.2 billion worth of exports to China in the balance. Mitchell Taylor from Taylor's Wines explains what it means for winemakers and for drinkers. Great to have your company here on the Money Minutes. And look, we've got a whole bunch of new subscribers coming on. Look, there's a whole lot of previous episodes you can go through and have a good look at. And please, if you like what you're hearing, give us a review on Apple or Spotify or Amazon's out there now as well. Uh, All of them are available in all those platforms. Now, look, today I want to talk about uh, trade and also the security battle that's emerging with China. It really is a very delicate balance to maintain our strong Western beliefs, democracy, freedom of speech, equality versus the the economic horsepower of our biggest trading partner. Now, on one front, some might argue that we need China more than they need us. It's goods, it's dollars for agriculture and wine, tourism, education, minerals and energy. But the reality is that China really can't grow its economy without the iron ore, especially that comes from the Hammersley Ranges in Western Australia. Though it might find coal or LNG elsewhere in the world, Australia remains a close and secure source of supply to China. But right now, China's flexing its muscles, we all know this, to show Australia that it can't economically, but more especially from a security point of view, always side with the United States. But for Australia, that relationship with the US and Japan and Korea are keys alongside that. It's the key to our position of strength among the Western G20 nations, our security blanket, if you like, in an increasingly fractious world. Now, of all the raw materials, foods and minerals that we sell to China, one of the emblems of this nation is wine. Before the free trade agreement that only came into effect five years ago, our winemakers lost massive market share to the winemakers from Chile and New Zealand, where each of those countries did have a trade agreement. But from December 2015, Australian wine exports to China soared. Now, as you'll shortly hear, exports this year are expected to be around $1.2 billion. That's 40% of Australia's total wine sales overseas. And the key in China is that it's many of the premium quality wines that we sell to them with premium prices that make up that $1.2 billion. Just to give you some sort of illustration of this, I found this really curious Chinese television ad for Penfolds. Now, just to set the scene, it is really high class. It's a, a man... Really well dressed, suave, moving through different scenes. As I say, it was pretty smooth. But the reason I really played you that ad is because it's Penfolds that's actually selling the alcohol here. In order to grab the attention of wealthy Chinese consumers, you could see that in the ad. But the unusual thing about this is it's not strictly wine. It's actually something that's called Lot 518. It's a blended premium Australian wine, Shiraz as it turns out, with the most popular Chinese spirit, which is called Baiju. Now the product, as I say, is called Lot 518, sold in this incredibly suave way. It's called spirited wine. It sells for $150 a bottle. Now the blend has a higher alcohol content, 21.5%, and according to Penfolds, has the floral and fruity notes of the Baiju and the bold signature style of its fortified Shiraz. So you might ask yourself, why the hell do it? Well, it's very simple. While the Chinese wine market is currently, well, hovering around $5 billion a year, remember those Australian sales, $1.2 billion? The Baiju market in China is currently worth $100 billion a year, 20 times more. 
But all of that right now could be in jeopardy as the Australian wine industry faces two Chinese inquiries. So I want to bring into this conversation about our wine industry and its relationship with China to a man who I think really stands as one of our preeminent winemakers. That man is Mitchell Taylor. For three generations, the Taylor family in the Clare Valley have knocked out some of Australia's great wines. And I think one of the very best, if you just go back even a few years ago, you go back to the visionary, the 2014 visionary, that won the 2018 International Competition of Cabernets in France. In other words, it's knocked off many of those great wines that come out of the Bordeaux region. Uh, and also, he's on the board of Wine Australia. So one, one of the great people to talk to about this subject. Mitchell, th- many thanks for your time. Thanks, Ross. Pleasure to be here. So I, I just want to go on, go back to, to the basics of this. If we go back a couple of years, Australia did not have a free trade agreement with China. And as a result, Australian wines were at a competitive disadvantage against wines going in there from, say, New Zealand or, or Chile. So when we got the free trade agreement, how did that change the way in which we marketed and sold our wines into China? Yeah, we, we did have a 15% import duty. And over four years, we were able to phase that out gradually. But over those four years, our wine sales really started to rocket. So they've been very popular. Um, the industry has been building up relations, but it really did go from strength to strength. So over the phasing out period, our, our wine exports to China doubled and they're, they're up to now... billion worth of um, Australian wine is sold into the market. And just to show that in contrast, our next biggest export market is uh, the USA, which is at $400 million a year. So China, about 40% of Australia's wine exports, and that's the reason when China took the action it did to investigate the wine industry over what are allegations of dumping of wine at cheaper prices in China than what they are sold here in Australia, why that is so important for the Australian wine industry uh, and its future for export into China. And, and what's the amazing thing, Ross, is that this anti-dumping investigation is only on wine that is bottled less than two uh, litres per um, container, where if there was anti-dumping, surely they'd be looking at all the bulk wine in that part of the world. So we're really confused by it because it is the very top end where our luxury red wines are really respected for the quality, that's the part of the market that's booming the most for Australian wine in China. Okay, so I'm a bit confused by that. If the investigation is into the premium wine and if you like, the bulk wine going into China is being allowed to continue to go in unfettered, where really, if you like, there was going to be the price advantage. Why is it then, do you imagine, that the Chinese would have really targeted the premium Australian wine wine brands? All we can imagine is that their own industry, which used to produce as much wine as the Australian wine industry, we've looked at the recent figures and, and they've actually been falling at quite a rate because I think a lot of Chinese have not trusted their locally made wine and are looking for quality that that comes out of Australia. So our industry association, Australian Grape and Wine and Wine Australia, we're reaching out to um, the Chinese wine industry, you know, to help them and to collaborate with them so that, you know, we can work through this together. 
Is there any suspicion that maybe China itself is trying to create its own premium wine industry? And while it will allow the cheaper wine in, what it's really trying to do is to maybe blend or add a bit of its own wine in and try to improve the brands, improve the the recognition of their own Chinese uh, premium wine brands. There, There has been a bit of that activity. And I think particularly with your own intellectual property with your trademarks um, that's associated with some of the the high-quality wines. You have to be very careful with it. And we've actually uh, devised devices on our very top wines where there is a a seal as the bottle and it actually makes sure that it's authentic and cannot be refilled. So there there probably is... um, you know, some of that, that that could be going on. But again, our industry, you know, we've built up these relationships over 30 to 40 years with the Chinese. So we're really wanting to collaboratively work with them because we're employing a lot of people in both Australia and China in selling quality Australian wine. Okay, so let's go through the actual document that China produced, which is, if you like, their evidence of this uh, so-called dumping inquiry that they have. And though I don't speak uh, fluent Mandarin, I do get enough out of this document where they've highlighted many of the assistance measures to Australian winemakers, which they quite clearly claim advantage Australian winemakers as compared with Chinese winemakers. One they talk about is the wine equalisation tax rebate. Another is the export and regional wine support package, the international wine tourism competitive grants, international wine tourism state grants, wine export grants, China and US marketing activities, regional programs, and it goes on and on, the wine tourism and cellar door grant. Now, there would be about 30 of those different grants or indeed programs Australia has got to encourage exports of wines. The question is whether that significantly would disadvantage a Chinese winemaker over its Australian counterpart? No, not at all. The the highest wine-producing taxed country in the world. So when you compare the subsidies, and and they're really just to help us, you know, talk and market our wine, that they are so small compared to what the Europeans with the European community get uh, with the very large agricultural grants that are about 230 million euro a year so it really is chalk and cheese and also um, China encouraged their their own industry to keep lifting quality and and and, you know we've done a lot of good collaborative work with uh, the Chinese so these grants the the wine equilibrium tax for instance is just a very very small amount that most winemakers in Australia don't even um, you know get access to it. Okay, so then we go back to the very basics as to why this inquiry has been launched. And of course, many believe that it is politically inspired as a result of a retaliation against the government for not only calling for an inquiry into the origins of the coronavirus, but then also maybe as a result of action that was taken against the Chinese telecommunications company Huawei. Um, are you in any position to try and judge as to the, the motives of this inquiry into the wine industry? It did, after all, follow in inquiries into the the barley industry where tariffs were applied and also say for example some shipments of even meat and other goods were were, were knocked back on the basis of of quarantine and and quality uh, from the Chinese authorities. 
The, the duties are, are getting very hard on, on the, uh, the labels. The other day we had to prove to Chinese customs that Taylor's Wines has been around for 50 years. They wanted actual proof because we mentioned that on our labelling. So we did provide them with all the documentation of the history of our business. So, yeah, we do feel that there is a, a, a political element to this, but we're hoping by being completely transparent and providing all the facts to China that, that they will see that Australian wine is really, you know, just at the high quality end and that collaboratively we want to work with the, the Chinese trade associations so that we can build momentum up again in this market because it's it's a very attractive market for the for the future of the Australian wine industry because it's it's very orientated to the very high end quality. Do you believe now that the the government the Australian government recognizes the the issues confronting the Australian winemakers? I mean, let's be honest, it's not only a, a prestigious export for Australia, but it's also a, a growing importance in terms of the money it generates. As you say, $1.2 billion over the past 12 months, 40% of that going to China. Do you, does that actually ring a bell with uh, with Australian ministers when you speak with them? It does, um, particularly the trade minister, Simon Birmingham. We've had some pretty frank, honest discussions with him. He, he's a South Australian. Um, he understands what the wine industry does. It, it value adds um, all the way along the, the value chain so that we're not just exporting grapes, but we're actually manufacturing and adding adding value all, all uh, along the chain. And I think it is the rural jobs that we create, not only in South Australia, but in, across 65 different rural regions in Australia. So the politicians do realise that this is a major one because if we have to retract, there would be a lot of wine that we'd have to find alternative markets for. And we're also concerned that it could even uh, flood the, uh, the Australian domestic market. Just one other aspect for you, Mitchell. I mean, you're a winemaker, you export, you've been doing this for a long, long time. Do you sense the imbalance of power between Australian winemakers and China as a government uh, and even the wine industry there? Uh, you're thoroughly relied on them and in terms of scale and also even the premium prices you can attract. Do you sense the, the balance of power is not tipped in your favour? I do because you do have the, the ultimate power. And when I was a, a young winemaker first visiting China, I'll always remember we had to visit the local mayors, we had to develop the relationships in government because really the business starts there. And if you're not compliant and if you're not building that relationship with the, the government, then it's almost impossible to be trading, um, you know, outside of that regime. So we do feel a, um, a little bit vulnerable. But having said that, we've, we've got these long-term great relationships with our friends in China. So we're just hoping a bit of common sense takes place here, that everyone stands back a bit and talks to each other, frankly, but, but behind closed doors so that we can really start to um, rebuild some of these economic trade relationships that we have done over the years. 
Well, Mitchell, it's always great to have a chat to you. And I know, you know, your background, uh, when you first left school, you went to London, you went into banking and stockbroking. So you've seen business from different eras and also from different parts of the world. It really is a very delicate time right now. I recognise that. Uh, and I really appreciate your time and your frankness in this conversation today. My pleasure, Ross. And, and thank you for your support, because the Australian wine industry really is a value-adding rural industry. And it's very important that we um, keep this relationship in place with the Chinese government and develop our trading relationships going forward. So that's it for today's episode. You can contact me via social media, Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn. And as well, you can subscribe to this podcast via Apple's podcast store, Spotify. And in the last few days, I note Amazon's joined in as well. This is a Talent Corp production. I'm Ross Greenwood and these are the Money Minutes. Money Minutes.